Thank you, Amy, and thank you to your team for following up on uh, those cards and getting out information to a variety of people over the next few weeks. Well, again, good morning. Good morning. Welcome, those of you who are here, those of you joining us online. My name is George Davis. Thank you for being a part of the Hershey Free Church. It's been great recently for our family to travel, and it's now great to be back with my church family. This morning, we're uh, wrapping up the series that we've been in throughout the summer. It's a series in the book of Proverbs. And of course, Proverbs is all about developing wisdom, learning to live well in the world that God has created. And even as we've been talking about developing wisdom individually, I think that is important for us as a church community. It's important for us as a church family. I mean, we, we are a church that has a, a sense of mission that we describe this way, right? That we want to be a, a people who live with Jesus, love like Jesus, and lead others to do the same. And even as we're now starting a new academic year, and you've just kind of experienced part of what the preparation looks like, we're wanting to be intentional in living out that mission over the next year and giving you opportunities to get connected. And within the framework of that mission, we are in a season in the life of our church where we're intentionally seeking to engage young adults well so that we're effective at passing on the faith to future generations. Even with that in mind this week, uh, our group of young adults is going to be hosting young adults from five other churches in in kind of an opportunity under our tent this Friday night, and we look forward to hearing how that goes. So we we are seeking to be a church who lives out this mission and vision. And, and with that in mind, it really is important for us to steward our resources well, to use our resources well in living out what God has called us to do. And, and that reality over the last couple of years has led our elders to wrestle with what we might do with this property that we own on 743. And even as our elders, even as they've been kind of working through that, they've really asked us as a church family to be praying through that as well. And so I I wanted just to keep that in front of you, even had conversations with people about that after the last service. So would you just join me in prayer for our church and for wisdom collectively? So gracious God, we do thank you for this gift of of the book of Proverbs that we've been working our way through and the way it gives us wisdom and guidance in all sorts of various dimensions of our lives. And even as we think about wisdom individually and what that looks like in our lives personally, Father, I also pray for us collectively as a church body, as a local church community. I pray for us because you've called us into this mission. And you've given us a vision, particularly over these next several years, of what it looks like to pass on the faith to future generations. And within, within this calling that you are inviting us to embody, we, we want to use our resources well. So even as we're starting this new academic year, we pray for wisdom and all that this will entail. And we also pray for wisdom in using this resource of the property and, and how we might use that kind of resource to be a part of the bigger mission and vision of our church. So Father, we thank you that Proverbs shows us you, you give wisdom to those who ask. And, and we are asking collectively uh, as we are continuing on this journey for your guidance and wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. As I said, we're going to wrap up our journey through uh, the book of Proverbs this morning. And let me start by asking you this question. What's the best advice you've ever been given? 
Have you ever had a moment where someone really kind of spoke truth into your life in a meaningful way? They really gave you guidance and counsel that at that moment really was significant in your life. I think back to the night before Rose and I were married. There was a knock on my hotel door, and I uh, open the door. It's, it's the guy who's the best man in our wedding. He comes in. He has a seat on the, on the bed, and, and he knows me well. And I think he kind of realized, you know, George has a pattern of overthinking things. So he was slightly concerned that I might be going through pre-wedding jitters and what, you know, are you overthinking this? Are you kind of getting nervous? Blah, blah, blah. And so in the middle of that conversation, he said something that really stuck with me at the moment. He said, George, I just want you to remember this. He said, please remember that if you wait until you're absolutely ready, you will never get married. Now, I realize to you that may seem silly or trite or, you know, well, so what? But can I just tell you, at, at the moment, that's, that was really what I needed to hear. I mean, it was just, it was a, a friend just kind of speaking wisdom, wisdom and encouragement into my life. Of course, a few years later, he actually updated his counsel. He said, remember what I told you before you got married? I said, yeah. He said, I need to update that. I said, okay. He said, remember this. If you wait until you're absolutely ready, you will never have children. <laughs> So he's just been an ongoing source of, of wisdom and counsel. In fact, we've got a phone appointment this week, so I look forward to staying connected with him. So what about you? Has there been someone who kind of just kind of in a, in a particular moment has just spoken wisdom, has spoken truth into your life in a way that was deeply personal, deeply meaningful? I say that because we're going to come to one more statement in the book of Proverbs. Now, as we've seen over the last few weeks, Proverbs has a lot to say about a variety of life's topics, right? We've talked about everything from speech and friendship to marriage and parenting to money and work. And we can conclude by looking at really one more, I think, significant proverb in this collection. It's a proverb that the author himself arguably highlights in the context of this book. And for you... I want to encourage you to wrestle with what he's about to say because for you today, this may be that timely word that you need to hear. For you today, this may be a moment where this author across the pages of history is really speaking truth and encouragement into your life in a way that you absolutely need to hear right now. Now, what's the proverb that I have in mind? Well, it's found in Proverbs 4. Uh, Verse 23, if you've got a Bible, I would encourage you to open to Proverbs 4. We'll look at some of the rest of that in a moment. But here's, here's the proverb I want us to look at. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, as we begin to understand what the author is saying here, we, we've got to start, I think, by acknowledging there's, there's an edge to this. I mean, it may, may seem just like a nice saying and, and that sort of thing, but th- th- it's got a bite to it. And I think we begin to realize that this way. If you look at that opening phrase, above, above all else, a more expanded translation of that would be something like this. Above all the other things in your life that you focus on, that you prioritize, that you guard, above all those other things, Guard your heart. 
Now think about that for a moment, right? Think about all the things that in life, over the course of life, we are told that we need to prioritize. All the things in life that we are told you need to focus on. You need to get a good education, and if you get a good education, that will help launch you into a career that is good for you. You really need to pay attention to certain opportunities that come your way so that you can take next steps in your career. Uh, You've got to work hard in school because that really is foundational to all that comes after that. By the way, how is your health? Are you getting enough sleep? How many times a week are you getting 30 minutes of exercise? Are you eating well? What does your diet look like? How about retirement? You know, this has been a crazy year, tragic year, it feels like, for the market, so you're probably behind. So are you keeping up with the contributions you need to make to your retirement plan? And on and on and on. All these things that we are told you need to guard, you need to pay attention to, you need to focus on. And the author kind of intrudes into that conversation and says, excuse me, he's like, look, I know all that stuff's important. But above all else, guard your heart. I mean, it's intrusive. It, it, it's like he, I mean, it's like he's interrupting you and said, look, above all that other stuff that you may be focusing on now, guard your heart heart. Imagine this happens this week that, you know, you're out and about in our community and, I don't know, running errands or doing something and somebody just comes up to you. Somebody you don't know. They interrupt whatever you're doing. They tap you on the shoulder. They look into your eyes and say, excuse me. They call you by name and say, are you guarding your heart? That's kind of what this author is doing for us this morning. And of course, if that actually happened to you on the streets of Hershey or Palmyra or Hummelstown this week, you'd probably kind of look at them and go, who are you? What are you talking about? And even as you would ask kind of some probing questions of that person, I think we need to ask some questions of this author to kind of further unpack what he's saying. And and we, we need to really begin by thinking about this whole concept of heart. Right? He says, guard your heart. But, well, what exactly is he talking about? What is it? And, and why is it important? Well, it's important to understand that particularly in the Old Testament, in the, in the Hebrew part of the Bible, that generally references to heart are not references to your physical organ. They're really references to, to the center of who you are. That is the center of your mind, your will, your emotions. It's the place of your deepest beliefs, your deepest longings, your deepest loves. It's really the core of who you are. That's what what the author means when he says, guard your heart. If that's what it is, then why, why is it important? Why so much emphasis on it? Well, notice notice what he says, right? Why do why do you need to guard your heart? Because everything you do flows from it. Now again, I think there's a way in which the author is challenging some of our conventional thinking here. You see, we're going to get up, all all of us, we're going to get up tomorrow and we're going to go to different responsibilities. Some of us go to work or we do other things. Maybe some of you are getting ready for school and we're getting, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have different responsibilities, different tasks tomorrow and, and Monday will lead to Tuesday, Tuesday will lead to Wednesday and then a week from now, it may feel like it's just been another week and, you know, and we're, we're lamenting the fact that we're almost out of summer, but other than that, it's just another week. 
And what the author is saying, look, I get it feels like one day comes after another and you're just responding to tasks and responsibilities and to people. But what the author is saying is underneath all of that, there's, there's a deeper reality. And the deeper reality is how you engage those everyday tasks, how you handle those conversations, what you prioritize, what you avoid, how you think about it, all of that at a deeper level is being influenced by your heart. Right? He says, guard your heart because everything you you do really flows out of that. Some of you have heard me mention this before, but it was really a season in my life where I I was really confronted with this foundational principle that your kind of life flows from your heart. Rose and I were newly married. It was during the first year of marriage. We moved to England for me to continue my education, and I jumped into the British educational system as a doctoral student, and the truth was I did not adjust well. Some Americans really make a seamless transition from the American system to the British system. I did not. And for six months, it's not an exaggeration to say I was floundering. I was looking for kind of direction institutionally or looking for direction from my supervisor, and I wasn't getting it. And here we are, we're, you know, new to marriage, just learning one another, and I'm wrestling with, do I even continue with this? And we had multiple conversations during that six-month period, hard conversations about maybe we just go home, maybe, you know, maybe this, let's do something else. This is just, it's not working out. And in God's providence, through the influence of certain friends and a mentor, I, I started to understand, I've just got to approach this differently because see kind of the core level of who I was I was trying to start this process having it all figured out and 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 an unhealthy perfectionism was was locking me up because I didn't have it all figured out and I needed to understand you know what you got to get it wrong before you get it right and you got to just start taking steps even though you don't have it figured out And, and once you take steps you'll get the input you need and that's exactly what happened but what had to change was something kind of fundamental at, at the level of how I was interpreting and looking at that situation. What had to change took place at a heart level. And the author says, yeah, that's it. See, look, what you do flows out of your heart. So guard your heart because everything flows from it. Another way maybe to summarize what he is saying is this. The character of your heart shapes the course of your life. So guard your heart. The character of your heart shapes the course of your life. So guard your heart. Now as we understand this statement within the broader context of Proverbs, I think it becomes clear. But not only are we to guard our hearts because, you know, everything flows from it. But but we're also to guard our hearts because if we're not careful, our hearts can become unhealthy. And in different ways, Proverbs talks about this. For instance, in different ways, our our hearts can become distorted. Our, Our hearts can become corrupted by selfishness and sin so at the at the core of who we are our loves our desires our longings become distorted by selfishness i've had a conversation a couple of conversations with someone i'm just starting to get to know recently and uh, 
Um, we, I don't really know him that well, and so it's going to be interesting to see if this relationship develops, but it's been fascinating because in talking with him, it seems at every point he turns the conversation back to his accomplishments and what he's doing. And it's just kind of become striking because it's happened in multiple conversations. And finally this week, as I'm having this conversation with him, I just wanted, I mean, there was just, maybe it's because I was working on this text, there was kind of this voice inside saying, man, what's going on in his heart? What's really driving him? And see, Proverbs warns, you know, your heart can become distorted by sin. Proverbs warns against, specifically warns against a heart that devises wicked schemes. It even notes that a heart can become perverse. So Proverbs says, look, you need to guard your heart because if you're not careful, your heart can become distorted. But not only can your heart become distorted, your heart can also become discouraged, weighed down. Right, for a variety of factors, due to kind of different things that we've gone through, different things in our past, things we have done, things done to us. Our hearts can become places of discouragement. Our hearts can become places where we have bought into certain lies or we we have allowed certain negative messages to take deep root. And so we live day by day and at the core of who we are, the messages we hear are, you know what? You really messed up, and you're never going to get back on the right track. You're not lovable. You're not good enough. You'll never measure up. Or here's one, and, and can I just assure you, can I just, let me just say this as your pastor. More people experience this one than you would ever believe. And it is this. If people only truly knew me, dot, dot, dot. Or if people knew this about me, dot, dot, dot. And let me just tell you, if you wrestle with those thoughts, you are not alone. If you wrestle with those thoughts, you are not alone in this room. And Proverbs acknowledges that anxiety can weigh the heart down. In fact, this is, this, this is such a profound statement, Proverbs 14.10, that, that says this, each heart knows its own bitterness. And maybe you're sitting there right now, or you're watching online, and you're like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> right, right now, that's, that's where my heart is at. It is deeply discouraged. And so the author, I think, is aware, look, you're... Your heart can become distorted. Your heart can become discouraged. So guard your heart. You've got to guard your heart. Well, then that, that leads to the natural question. Was, okay, okay, Mr. Proverb, how do we do that? How do I guard my heart? Well, in answering that question, it is, it's helpful to pay attention to the context. Uh, because this proverb occurs in what clear, appears to be kind of a small paragraph running from chapter 4, verse 20 to chapter 4, verse 27. And I think we, we need to see 
verse 23 in the context of that overall flow. And here's how that overall passage works. Look with me. At, here's where that section starts. This paragraph starts. Verse 20, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Now notice what he's saying. He is saying, look, I want you, he's, he's speaking to his son. Look, I want you to pay attention to what I've taught you. I want you to pay attention to the truth that I have taught you about God, the truth that I've taught you about the different dimensions of what it looks like to live in the world that he has created. I want that to be the input that shapes your heart. That's how this passage opens. And then, in light of that, the next statement is then guard your heart. In other words, this is how I, I want the truth to shape your heart. And notice here, the, this means the idea of guarding your heart isn't simply keeping out the bad stuff. It's also being shaped by the good stuff. It's being shaped by truth. So the author says, look, I want you to... I want you to make sure you're, you're learning, you're exposing yourself, you're remembering the truth that I've been teaching and, and allow that truth to shape your heart and then guard your heart. And then flowing out of that, we get the rest of the paragraph beginning in verse 24, right? Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from, talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your, keep your foot from evil. And so here's the way kind of I think the passage works. The, the dad says, look, I want you to be shaped by the truth. I want the truth to take root deeply in who you are in terms of your beliefs, your attitudes, your priorities, and shape your heart. And then as that is shaping your heart, I want your heart to then establish patterns of living out the truth in, in your day-to-day activities. And I think this, this actually becomes an ongoing cycle because as you, as you take steps to live out the truth, that then again has influence in shaping your heart. So the author says, look, I, I want you to be influenced, I want you to be shaped by the truth and then that allow that truth to shape the different dimensions of how you live. Now that sounds great, but we do need to acknowledge one problem. Here's the problem. If I start to take this seriously, then then I'm going to pay more attention to what's going on in the inside, right? I mean, to start to take this idea seriously of guarding your heart... It means I'm not just going to pay attention to what's going on around me. I'm not just going to pay attention to my circumstances. I'm also going to pay attention to what's going on inside. And at times when I do that, I'm not going to like what I see. At times when I do that, I'm I'm going to be confronted with (laughs) maybe the junk in my heart. And you know, it's interesting because I think Proverbs anticipates this. Because even as Proverbs is talking about guarding your heart, Proverbs talks about the reality that all of our hearts are broken. I mean, look at, look at this passage from Proverbs 20. Who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin? Who can say that? So if we're not careful, this, this, this whole process can seem just to collapse in on itself in a sense of failure. 
But I think this is the place, particularly, where we need to realize that that the concept for us of guarding your heart, that concept needs to take place within the broader context of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Remember some of the great Old Testament promises about what God would do one day. Focus on kind of renewing our hearts, giving us a new heart, working from the inside out. And these themes are repeated by Jesus when he talks about his own ministry. I mean, you remember that Sermon on the Mount, kind of the most famous teaching that we have of Jesus? And remember there's a part of the Sermon on the Mount where where Jesus has a series of statements that go something like this. You have heard it said, but I say unto you. And he says some very provocative things. You have heard it said, don't commit murder, but I've come to deal with your anger. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I've come to deal with your lust. What does he say? He says, look, I am coming. I'm coming to engage you at the very core of who you are. And I will give you my spirit who will actually be at work from the inside out. Do you get that? I mean, just let this sink in for a moment. God's great vision for your life, God's grand vision for my life is to be at work bringing about transformation at the very core of who we are. And when we understand that, what it means is that ultimately to guard your heart is to orient your life toward this work of transformation. Now, we could, we could talk a lot about what that looks like, and of course I've kind of talked at a pretty high level up to this point. So maybe the simplest thing to do is just to share with you what this looks like in the life of one person. So with that in mind, I'm going to ask uh, Nick Mance to join me. Would you help me welcome Nick Mance up Well, again, good to see you. So as we're, we're talking about guarding our hearts, let's just talk a little bit about your life experience over the last few months. And take us back just a couple of months, because the reality was you, you really found yourself in a challenging situation. So just take us back a little bit. Yeah, so a few months ago, um, yeah, it, I was not in a good spot. I was in a really, really dark place. Uh, but I think like a lot of people who find themselves there, I didn't want to recognize that. And I was actually on a Zoom call with one of my mentors, and he, he said to me over Zoom, he goes, man, he goes, you're not okay. I said, no, 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 the video's just lagging. And he goes, no, no, really, you're not okay. And I said, what do you mean, Brian? And he goes, dude, I can tell you're suffering from crippling anxiety. And he's like, the reason I know is because I do too. And he goes, you, you need to do something about that. You have to go talk to George. And I sat there and I was like, what? There, there's no way. Like, I'm a pastor. Like, I talk about this stuff. I teach about this stuff. I help people with this stuff. And so kind of stepped back. And I remember I, I talked to Elise for the first time about that. And it, it was just gut-wrenching. I was like, there's, there's no way. And she goes, okay, you got to process, think through this. And I remember sitting down with you and, and Nick Schatz and going, guys, I... I 
I think this is where I'm at. In fact, the more I kind of like dug into it, I realized I was struggling not only with anxiety, but with depression and, and horrible, horrible panic attacks. Um, debilitating. I couldn't, I couldn't focus, couldn't, couldn't do anything, couldn't even find words to say what was happening. And I remember in talking with you and Nick, and we brought in Anne, and, and they said, hey, you know what, Nick? Like, you might need to take some time off and get healthy. And I freaked out. I had a panic attack right then because I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't find my identity outside of my office, which is really, really sad to say. Like, I, I couldn't detach my identity from who I am as a pastor. I remember talking with my counselor a little bit later and expressing what I was feeling and, and the question he asked me. One of the first questions he asked me is, stop me cold. He said, are you suicidal? And I wasn't, and I haven't been. But all of a sudden, like, my world came crashing down because I realized how far down that hole I'd gone. I remember sitting there with, with my wife by my side, and he's like, hey, you got to take a break. You need to step away from full-time ministry and heal. And I didn't even know what that would look like. And it was terrifying. I sat right over there the Sunday you explained I was taking a break shaking. Because I didn't know what this would look like going forward. And for two months, and even now ongoing, faithfully met with a counselor, got the help I needed, met with people, had people speaking into my life. Took a break from everything I knew about who I was. And really sought to find my identity. It's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But I can tell you, like, today as I stand here, people ask me all the time, like, so did you get better? And then I'm like, take it as you will. I work with students, so, I mean, you know, I think it's awesome. People think I'm crazy. But I tell people, I'm like, you know what, I am getting better. Am I 100%? No. I don't know what that's going to look like or when that will come to fruition. But I know that taking it one step at a time, day by day, and finding my identity in Christ and bringing people in the walk with me, I will get back to where I need to be. So let's, let's just talk a little bit more. You've already started to answer this question, but whatever else you'd like to add to it, what, what have you learned about guarding your heart in this journey? I, I think one of the things I, I really, and I said, like, I wrestled with my identity, and I didn't even know it at that time. And I think that's true for many of us. It's like we, we can say our identity is in Christ, I think, but when we begin to unpack the heart more, that's just a piece. And something can't be our identity if it's just got a piece of who we are. If something's our identity, it means it's, it's who we are fully. And, and, and looking back in hindsight, like part of where I struggled was like my relationship with Jesus was garbage this past year. It was hard for me to even come in and worship in here on a Sunday. In fact, I would say I wasn't worshiping. And, and for me, kind of like a big transitional point for me was uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, at least I kind of snuck in the back at the 1030 service, and we sat in the back, and it was the first time I was able to worship in over a year. 
And it just broke me. I sat there and I was like, wow, this feels so freeing. It feels so good. This is where I need to be. And part of the ways, additionally, that I've been guarding my heart is I've been setting up boundaries. I was not really good with those. Elise can testify to that. I was not good at making sure I had a work-life balance that was appropriate. I start every one of my mornings now just spending time with God and just sitting in silence. I'm able to worship. I'm able, I'm able to pray. I've got people who have my back. One of the things that I did during my, my time away is I was involved in the cohort. And we got to, to wrap up our cohort where we were all together, and there was 11 other individuals in that cohort, my mentor included. And every one of them stopped and prayed for me. In fact, the crazy thing is now most of them are probably watching on the live stream because they're like, I can't believe you are going to do this. And so I win. Um, but like, I, I don't know what I win. But or something, we right? have a great relationship. Um, but no, in all seriousness, like, um, I've, I've been reading a book that's been really helpful. This book was recommended by uh, Deb Hinkle. And it's called Attacking Anxiety by Sean Johnson. Not the gymnast, the Sean Johnson is, is a pastor, but I'm sure if she wrote a book like this, it'd be good too. Um, but he, he talks about, like, when it comes to anxiety, like, we have to recognize that there is a, a real understanding that this is both a spiritual and a, a, and a realistic physical battle as well. And the two are not mutually exclusive. Like, there can be chemical imbalances that we need to seek medication and care for. There could be hereditary stuff throughout our family or trauma that has impacted our lives. But the reality is there's a very deep spiritual component. And like God's design for us, if you read Genesis 1 and 2, and if you read the end of the story as well, his design was never for us to struggle with mental health. It's a result of the fall. And Satan loves to take those moments where we feel broken and to convince us exactly like you said, that we are worthless, that we are nothing, there is no hope. This life is pointless and you don't matter. And he goes, one of the best ways you can combat this is by, is by bringing in an army of people. Doing a life with people who will pray for you, who will walk with you, who will encourage you. He talks about how worship is our greatest asset, our greatest weapon in our arsenal. That, that, that when we feel at our, at our darkest, he goes, that's when Satan attacks. And the way that you crush Satan is by declaring who God is. And he goes, so make a playlist. Make a playlist of victory. He goes, and when you're broken, praise God. When you're at your darkest and lowest, praise God. And watch the enemy be defeated. And it's crazy how much prayer and worship, coupled with like that, that holistic health, actually helps you to overcome well, Nick, I just want to thank you for sharing your story with us and say, welcome back, dude. <laughs> we love you. See, see, the reality is this is, this is now God great, God's great intention. To be at work at the very core of who we are. And so if there, there are ways in which your heart has become distorted, or ways it has become distracted, 
and discouraged. Proverbs says, guard your heart. Now, with that in mind, let let me give you two action steps. Uh, First of all, over the next three weeks, uh, we're going to spend some time talking through our Live, Love, Lead mission and kind of just walking through what does that look like, not only for us as a church, but also what does that look like as a way of life? Because it's not, just, it's not just a description of our mission as a church. It's really the journey of following Jesus. And as we talk about what that looks like, what we're going to be talking about are kind of rhythms and patterns and a way of life that really does open us up to God's transforming work. And that's, that's really what guarding your heart is all about. So if you're sitting there going, okay, I kind of get the big idea, but what does it look like in more detail? In a real sense, we're going to unpack the details in the next three weeks as we work through our sense of mission. So I want you to be a part of those three services. But also, let me, let me just encourage you to try something. You might think of this as a rhythm of examining your heart. And, and my challenge to you is just, just try this for a week every day and, and just see how this experience begins to unfold. And what I mean by examining your heart is this. It's, it's to begin your day just by, by giving the day to God. And if, if, you know, depending, if you kind of live by a calendar, you might even just kind of acknowledge, here are the things on my calendar for this day. We've got, we, we, you know, here's my job, here's something I'm going to be doing at my job. And just to kind of give the day to God in a very intentional way. And invite him to be at work in those different things. And then at some point, you know, as you prepare to go to bed or at some point in the evening and kind of in a quiet moment, and this doesn't have to take long, but in a quiet moment, just review the day before God. Kind of to walk back through those, you know, you, you, you prayed about that appointment or something in the morning. How did it go? How did you, how did you engage it? And, and just review your day just, and invite God to examine your heart. Now, it may just kind of be a simple prayer, but, but there are ways in which God's Spirit may kind of, kind of just work in that moment to kind of point things out to you. I know at times I've, I've had to wrestle with, you know, I, I got so worked up about something, some meeting or some conversation and all this anxiety, and it just turned out to be, overblown and I would I, you know and it's like why did I do that why did I waste that emotional energy and, and so sometimes this process of reviewing the day of kind of just kind of examining our heart before God becomes this becomes this moment where God continues to do his transforming work and I invite you to do that because this this really is I, I, this is God's vision and God's plan for your life to be at work at the very core of who you are. And we should take this seriously because even this week, even in the things on your schedule this week, the shape and character of your heart is affecting the course of your life. So guard your heart. Guard your heart. Let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you for the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. And as we close, we come to this highlighted point, I think, in the opening chapters of the book where the author says, look, above all else, 
Father, I, I pray first of all that we would come to grips with this truth that life isn't just the flow of external circumstances, but the, that what is going on inside of us really is influencing how we engage those circumstances. I pray that we would be attuned to that. And even as I pray for that, Father, I, I pray for, there's some people here this morning, they're maybe even joining us online. And the truth is, at the core of who they are, their hearts have been distorted by other things. And Father, I pray the convicting work of your spirit would just kind of bring this to their mind, that there's something deeply wrong at the core of who they are. Likewise, Father, I think there's some of us that would acknowledge we, we came in here and the people around us don't know this, but we're carrying this heavy weight. And some of us are discouraged. We're discouraged in our work. We're discouraged in our families. We're discouraged financially. And this discouragement just hangs like a cloud over our hearts. Father, I thank you for Nick sharing his story, and I think there's some of us here maybe that can really relate to where he's been. And so may, may this day just kind of be an awakening to understand that there are steps we can take to get out of the darkness. There are steps we can take to come out of the dark and into the light. May we understand that even though it feels like the cloud is always over us, at some point your light can break through. So, Father, may, may we be reminded of your vision for our lives in such a way that we guard our hearts. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I don't know kind of what you're carrying or maybe the things that uh, you're dealing with right now, but if, if there are ways in which we can pray with you, we'd love to have the opportunity to do that. So I'm going to invite members of our prayer team to be here at the front, and we'd love just to have the privilege of praying with you, encouraging you however we can. So please just take advantage of that, and we'd be glad to have that conversation. Again, thanks for joining us as we've wrapped up this series, and now as you go, I pray you would understand the significance of your heart, because even now it is affecting the flow of your life. So guard your heart. Amen.